worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. And holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. And holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up
Father, we come into this place this morning and we sing songs that proclaim you as the God of the universe, as the Lord of all, as the creator of all things. Father, we believe that this morning or we wouldn't be here. God, we claim that as truth this morning, not just as truth that a group of people believe, but Lord, truth that we individually believe today. But God, the beautiful thing about who you are and the unique thing about who you are is if we claim you as God of the universe, and we do, that means that we claim you've God of our lives as well. And Lord, while you have spoken this entire world into being, every single breath that we take, Lord, is, is by your design. God, there's not a thing that we bring into this room with us this morning that you don't know about. There's not a thing that we stand here with today, Lord, inside of ourselves that, God, you aren't aware of. And so, Father, as we praise you for the beautiful and wonderful and majestic things you've done, Lord, may we claim the truth of your love for us in the deepest parts of who we are this morning. God, may we allow you to speak to the deepest parts of who we are this morning, to the places that we need you the most. And may we know, Lord, may we know inside of ourselves who you are and who you are to us and what that means and who that allows us to be today. Father, thank you for this time that we have together. Lord, thank you that we can stand and hear the voices of other people who claim the truth of you as their Lord and Savior. That, Lord, we're not standing alone in this experience and this relationship with you, but we stand with a community of people. God, you're a part of the faces and the voices we hear and see this morning. Speak to us through each other today. Lord, for those of us who walk in here strong today, may we be the Jesus that the people who need the most need to see. And Lord, for those of us who desperately need just to feel your touch this morning, may we see you and hear you in those around us. Father, continue to be with us in our time together today. Lord, speak through Pastor Brian as he speaks to us. Father, we believe that your words are going to be his words this morning. And so, Father, we, we yearn to hear from you today. Thank you for all that you have done for us, for who you allow us to be. Thank you for who you are, Lord. It's in your name we praise you and thank you. Maybe seated. We've had a busy week in our house. That's one of the things we've enjoyed about where we're at now is I get to walk my kids to school in the morning. Not used to that. I live in where we used to live and where I where I grew up. I was one of those kids that grew up. You had to walk them half mile uphill or two miles uphill. Um, literally, I did. Or but but that's okay. But it was kind of a unique week. I got to take my little kids to school. And I got to take my high schooler to school, and then Thursday, Friday, I got to take my older sons to college. I got to walk them all to school this week. So it was kind of a, a unique week for me as a dad, one I don't take for granted. But uh, we, we, Amy and I are now um, half-empty nesters. Uh, so, and while that might not sound like a big deal to you, when you have eight of them, that that's kind of says a lot. But we have half of our kids now that have gone off to college, or maybe we still have eight more to go. Uh, it kind of makes me twitch. Or four more to go. And holy, I hope that wasn't prophetic, but four more to go. <laughs> we'll see where that goes, where God goes with that. But it's um, been a busy week, and, and those busy weeks often have a way of wearing us out. We'll talk about weariness in just a little bit, but uh, it also reminds us that, that we're, we're normal, that, that we're human, that, that we're ordinary. We've been talking about ordinary people, and how Scripture is filled with ordinary people, and how God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things, to help others see and to come to know who he is. But the funny thing about ordinary 
So we very seldom get up in the morning and go looking for ordinary. We don't go looking for plain. We don't go expecting just normal. We kind of have these hopes for good days. Maybe you've had a rough week and you just, well, I wouldn't give anything. I'd give anything, just have a normal day. Maybe that's something you do yearn for from time to time. But ordinary is not something that we ordinarily look for, that we go after, that we pursue. I wonder if we would learn to perhaps be content in our circumstance, how much more God might do through us or how much he might talk with us, how much more we might hear from him. Ordinary can be a good thing, be a beautiful thing. We learn from an ordinary man named Noah that if we just walk with God, God can do extraordinary things such as save all of humanity. We learn through Joseph that if we would just lead with grace, that that God can overcome even the greatest hurts in our lives and can bless the entire world if we just allow him to. We learn through a boy in his lunch if we just let go of whatever it is that we're holding on to, that God could take an ordinary kid meal and feed thousands with it. So many ordinary stories. We're just kind of scratching the surface. Today we're going to talk about an ordinary man that I relate to more often than I care to think about. His name is Peter. Before we get to Peter, let's start with Romans chapter 12, verse 1. We've touched on this verse a few times over the last couple weeks. Out of the message, this is how Paul writes. So here's what I want you to do. With God helping you, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Celebrate the ordinary. Watch what God does. Peter was ordinary. I wonder if there's anybody more ordinary in all of Scripture besides Peter. And we know that everyone else is ordinary as well, but Peter just has a way of, of jumping out, of kind of sticking out. And we have a lot of stories about Peter that we can look to. Peter was rejected as a child and chose his career as a fisherman. We know that Peter was spontaneous. He kind of just kind of said things as they came to mind. Uh, he wanted so desperately to please Jesus, to gain his approval became known for putting his foot in his mouth, for being too proud for Jesus to wash his feet, became known perhaps for denying Christ, or taking his eyes off Christ when walking on water. But if we look a little deeper, we also know that Peter was also the one responsible for the first post-resurrection evangelism service. While he did sink after taking his eyes off Jesus, Peter was the only person besides Jesus to have walked on water. He was a man that was ordinary. He had a knack with a fishing pole and an ear for swordsmanship. Some of you will get that later. Catch on. An ordinary fisherman. Kind of a professional, if you will. I'm not talking Bassmaster professional. I'm talking about he did it for a living. He owned his own boat, Scripture tells us. And I'm sure as a fisherman he had some success, but there are also some rough days. Because if you've ever been fishing, I've not done a lot of fishing in my life, but, but I have caught a few here and there, but there's some days that are great that you love to talk about, you love to tell the stories, how the fish could keep growing in length and growing in size, and there's other days where you catch nothing. That's probably why I don't fish more, because I don't always catch something. If you fish a lot, you, you kind of know where the, your favorite spots are. You, you know what bait to use, what lures might work. Uh, you know what even right poles to take. I have no idea about any of that stuff. But I don't love to fish. But some of you do. 
You get it. This, this, this resonates. This, you, you understand Peter. Peter's your kind of guy. But it, it's, it's in the nothing moments that make or break a fisherman, that bring you back. Or, like me, you hang your pole in the garage and it's where it stays. For others, you have those moments where you've, you've, you've caught the fish, you, you've won the battle, and you just keep going back for more. When I was first starting out in, in West Virginia, we had a friend who, who wanted, and my boys wanted to go fishing. I didn't know anything about it, so he took us fishing to a local park, and it was kind of a catch-and-release pond, and, and we're, we're fishing there for a few moments. And, and my kids were, were a little bit younger, and I think Eli was five or six at the time, and he had a fishing pole. He's, he's, I don't know, I'm going to tell this story. And he cast a line out in the water, and he's waiting. He's wait, he waited a really long time, at least two minutes, <laughs> and decided that as, as a six-year-old, he wanted to go do something else. So he brought the pole here. Dad, hold my pole. I'm going to go play with the other kids. He goes and plays with the other kids. It wasn't a minute later when that line grew tight and, and the pole started to bend. And I'm thinking, oh, no, what do I do now? And our friend Tom was there with me. And Tom you know, he kind of helped me reel this thing in. About 20 minutes later, as Eli comes running back over, give me the pole back. Give me the pole back. Too late now, son. This is my fish. <laughs> this is my story. And then we saw the fish. We got it close. He starts splashing or splashing up over the sore. And my, my friend Tom, which is a small little catch and release pond, he didn't even bring a net, he didn't, but he's not letting this one go. He jumps in the pond, my friend does, and grabs this fish and pulls it out. And I caught this fish this day. I think we got a picture of it. And that, that's the biggest fish I've ever caught. And um, Eli's sitting there thinking, that could have been mine. Uh, but it wasn't because he gave up. Decided he didn't want to fish anymore. Let go of the pole. You remember that, Eli? Yeah, he remembers that one. <laughs> good days, good days. Now, that wasn't enough to make me into a fisherman, but it did give me my fish story that we all need so desperately to have from time to time so I can at least um, have a conversation with those who do like to fish. Peter was a fisherman. And on this particular day, we, we find in Luke chapter 5, uh, he's been fishing. But not fishing all day. He's been fishing all night. On the, on the shores of, or on, on the Sea of Galilee, and as Luke writes it, one day was Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, or the Sea of Galilee. The people were crowding around him. They're coming to listen to all that Jesus has to say. Now, Jesus hasn't yet called his disciples, hasn't yet assembled his team, but he's about to get started. But he's been teaching. He's been kind of going through the countryside, kind of letting people know who he is and sharing a little bit about what God has in store, about what his mission is going to be. And we learn back in Matthew that Jesus began to teach after he came out of the wilderness after being tempted by Satan and began to teach the message of repentance. So from Matthew chapter 4 and 5, all the way through his crucifixion, Jesus is teaching the message of repentance. So people are coming to listen. They're curious about what he has to say. And we find in Luke chapter 5, the crowd gathering around him listening to the word of God. Jesus sees at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who are washing their nets. They've been up all night. They've been throwing their nets in the water. They hadn't caught anything. And as they get done, they've got to take care of their equipment. So they're taking care of their nets. They're washing their nets. It kind of sounds kind of funny. You know, the nets have spent all night long in the water. Why are you washing them? Well, if you ever had fish, they kind of stink from time to time. That's one thing about fish is that they always do. They're always consistent. They always have. So they're washing their nets, taking care of their stuff. And Jesus sees them there. And he sees their boats. So the crowd's kind of growing. He gets into one of the boats, and he, and he tells uh, Simon, the one belonged to Simon, who is Peter, put out a little bit from shore so that I can get away from the crowd so I can still teach them so they're not on top of me while I'm talking. So Peter does that, and so Peter's in the boat with Jesus. As far as we know, Peter's the only one in the boat with Jesus. There might be others. We're not sure. But we know Peter's there. And Peter now has a front row seat to the teachings of Jesus. And we read in, in verse 3 that he sat down and taught the people from the boat. 
Wow, wouldn't that be neat? Sit there in a boat with Jesus as Jesus is doing his teaching. That, that's the neat part of the story, but it gets a lot better. It gets even better. And we see in verse 4, when he finished speaking, when he finished teaching, he looks to Simon and he said to him, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. In church today, uh, the ordinary that I want us to, to, to discuss and talk about is that sometimes God will ask us to put out into deep water, to go further, to do it again. Maybe he's done that in your life already. Maybe if you're like me, from time to time, our response can be like Peter's. Let's, let's think about what's going on here. Peter's been up all night. He's already cleaned his nets. He's got everything. He's ready to put it away for the day. He's tired. And Jesus says, Let, let's go fishing, Peter. Can, can you see it? Did, did he nod off while Jesus was teaching? Did he fall asleep? I, I hope not. Maybe he did. Some of you might be calling asleep right now. That's okay. I get it. You're tired. You're weary. You've had a long week. It's all right. Take a nap. If you snore, your neighbor will nudge you. We'll just keep on going. Here's what Peter says in verse 5. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. You ever been there? Oh, Jesus, I've been at this a long time. Just nothing seems to be changing. I, I, I don't see any difference. I, 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 I hear what you're wanting me to do, but don't you see what's going on? Don't you see what I've been doing? Don't you see what I've already done? I have a question. Are, are you weary today? Maybe you're just physically tired. I think some of you probably are. I get that. But I mean, are you deeply weary today? You're weary in your career. You, you've been really at this. You've been working hard. You've been giving it your all, and you just don't seem to be getting ahead. Missing out on that promotion. Just not advancing as far as you'd like to, and you're just weary. Weary in your relationships with one another, with your spouse? Are you weary in your marriage? Maybe I had such high aspirations, such, such big dreams, and they just don't seem to be coming to fulfillment the way I had imagined. You weary as a parent? Do you love holding that newborn baby? Problem is they grow up. They have real challenges and issues, just like we did. It can get overwhelming at times can be draining. Weary with illness, disease, you've been waiting a long time for the medicine to work, for the doctors to come up with a solution. Maybe we're discontent, maybe we're frustrated, maybe we're weary in our faith. We've been kind of going through the spiritual motions for a long time, just waiting for God to show up and do something. And God whispers, put out in the deep water. Let's let down the nets. We want to say, Lord, you don't understand. Yes, he does. Church, it's in the weary nights where ordinary people are faced with decisions that lead to extraordinary things. Jesus will often ask us to do it again, to go out into deep water, to let down the nets when it doesn't make sense. And when we're faced with those situations, do we do as our weariness kind of often leads to make excuses? Or do we obediently respond? 
Paul in Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, he writes, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Paul's writing, do not become weary in doing good. Do it again, Paul says. Do it again even when it's hard. Keep at it. A harvest is waiting. Don't give up. Don't give up on your career. Keep at it. Don't give up on your marriage. Try again. Say you're sorry. Do what you need to do. Fix it. God will help you if we're just willing to do it again to keep trying. Don't give up on your children. Trust me, I get weary when it comes to children. I had this plan in my mind. I wanted to be done with having kids by the time I was 40. Eli was 36 when he was born. I'm thinking, oh God, we did it. Because 36 in my mind, at the time he graduated, I would almost, I would still be 52 and 3, 4, be old enough to still, young enough to still do some things. So Eli was born, and, and then God said, do it again three more times. And it's like, oh, um, yeah, well, now I'll be applying for financial aid for Titus to go to college as I'm applying for Social Security. Uh, not, not the plan that I had, but, but God has different plans, and that's okay. He said, do it again. I wouldn't trade them for anything, but when you're weary with your kids, just hug them, and you get up tomorrow, and you try again, and you just keep going. If, if you're weary in your faith, Maybe the boy in his lunch could teach us a message. Let go of the things we're holding so tightly to. Watch what God does. Let him show up and respond in the midst of our obedience. Peter says, says to Jesus, Lord, I've, I've been up all night. We haven't caught anything. But look at the rest of the verse. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Because you say so ordinary Peter does it God's way because Jesus said so. Picture this for a moment. A carpenter climbs into your boat, tells a professional fisherman how to fish. It's absurd. It makes no sense. And, and we sometimes think we're the experts of our own lives, like we know better than God does. We want to tell God, God, I've already tried it that way. I've, I've already done that. I, I, I don't, need you, don't need you to fix me, Lord. I need you to fix them. And we make excuses. And we get in the way. And we add to our weariness without even knowing it. I can picture Peter in this moment. We, we, we know a lot about Peter's personality. Jesus says, okay, let's go out in the deeper water. Let's put down the nets. Can, can you see the eye roll? Moms, if you have teenagers, dads, if you have young ecology, you, you've seen the eye roll. You get it. Oh. Seriously, what does this guy know about fishing? He's from Nazareth. He works with wood. Yeah, he could fix my boat, but he doesn't know how to fish. But because, Jesus, you say so, I'll do it. Even though I've been up all night and there's nothing there, I'll do it. Even though the weather hasn't changed, the tides are still the same, I'll do it. And watch what happens next. Scripture tells us when they had done so, which is another way of saying when they had obeyed, when they had done what Jesus wanted them to do, when they had done so. And that's really important for us because so often we want a miracle, but we miss out on the miracle because we're not willing to be obedient. And obedience always precedes the miracle, church. You need a miracle in your life? Begin with obedience. When they had done so, 
Scripture tells us they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. This is a big catch. The pole is bending. The line's about to snap. The, the, the nets are so full, they're starting to tear. Peter waves to the shore. James and John, get your boat out here. I need help. You're not going to believe this. James and John bring their boat out. Scripture tells us that the other boat came to help them. They filled both boats so full, they began to sink. Let's not miss what's going on in this miracle. In our weariness, church, God can still do more. He can always do more than we can on our own. There's always more when we do what Jesus asks us to do. Last week, a boy gave Jesus lunch. Today, Peter gives Jesus his empty nets, and Jesus fills them. Today, perhaps, Jesus is asking you to give him your empty career, your empty marriage, your empty home, your empty spiritual life, whatever it is that you're holding on to that's empty, whatever you're cleaning and washing up that's empty. Jesus says, will you just give it to me and watch what I do with them? Do it one more time. Go out into deeper water. He can take what's empty and he can turn it into overflowing from nothing into sinking. This is a once-in-a-lifetime catch. This is supernatural. And Peter sees it. He recognizes right away what's going on. And look at his response in verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. He sees beyond the catch, beyond the treasure, beyond the payday, beyond the full boats, and he sees his spiritual condition. He knows the man in front of him is not ordinary. Go away from me. What I'm experiencing now is not normal. Peter realizes this is more than just about fish. He gets it. And because he gets it, this is why what happens next is easier for us to understand. Jesus says to Simon, Peter, don't be afraid. Come on, Peter, get up. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. I've got something bigger for you, Peter. From now on, I want you to fish for people, not, not for regular fish. So they pulled their boats up on shore, verse 11 tells us. Let's not miss this. They left everything and followed him. They left everything followed him. Don't miss this, church. This is the greatest catch of their lives. The biggest payday they've ever had. Their boats are so full, they're beginning to sink. They've got everything they've ever worked for right there in their hands. All they've ever dreamed of as a fisherman has now been reality. And the crowd was there to watch them. Maybe cheering. Look at that. Oh yeah, come on, you guys can do it. Get that net up here. Wouldn't life be a lot easier if we had people in the background cheering for our careers? Well, we should have. You ever have someone come and mow your grass? Oh, great job today mowing around those bushes. So glad. Oh, I love how you weed into the backyard. That's so nice. Oh, people were cheering for us. What if you're a teacher and moms and dads would show up at the end of the day? Great job teaching my son how to read. Today he couldn't read that word and now he knows that's all. We should have. We should be cheering for our teachers and those who are pouring into our life, kids of life of our children. What if we got cheered? What if we cheered our bankers when they got our statements right and gave us the correct amount of money? Or, well, we should be cheering. We go to a fast food restaurant, they get our orders right. We get the right amount of change. There's a lot of things we should be cheering for. Can you see the crowd cheering Peter, cheering James and John on? Go, guys, go! No one's ever cheered for a fisherman before. They're just kind of doing their job. 
This is a lottery ticket kind of moment. This is a finding buried treasure moment. Two full boats of fish. We can take a day off now. This is great. And here they get to the shore. And they left everything. And I have to believe Scripture says what it says and means what it means, that they left the fish. I don't know who took the fish. I don't know what happened. We, we don't know. That doesn't matter. But we do know as they left it all and they began to follow after Jesus. Jesus invited Peter. And he invites us to put out in the deeper water the fish for bigger fish. fish for people. Jesus, as he invited Peter, calls us to let out our empty nets so that we could experience fullness. Jesus may be speaking to you this morning about doing it again. Whatever that it might be in your life, you've done it before and there's been no results and you're tired. Jesus says, trust me. Peter leaves his boat. James and John leave their boat. If you've ever owned a boat, you've heard it said it's the two greatest days of a boat owner's life is the first day you put the boat in the water and the day that you sell your boat. This is certainly true in Peter's life right now. It's the greatest day of his life. He leaves his boat. Are we willing to walk away from the thing that we think we need to experience the fullness that God has for us? Pastor Kevin Myers writes it this way, in this moment, Peter chose the giver over the gift. He chose the person in his boat rather than what was in his nets. Kind of like the story Jack and the Beanstalk. We all remember that tale. Maybe you've told that story to your children. You know, Jack could have climbed the beanstalk and taken one of the golden eggs from the goose, but he didn't. Jack wanted the goose. Are we after the egg or are we after the goose? Which one are we more concerned about? What's in the net or the one who's in the boat with us? Ordinary people recognize, choose Jesus. Ordinary people obey when it doesn't make sense. Ordinary people walk away from what they think they need when they realize who it is they really need. So many of us get caught up or distracted or even overwhelmed or we become chained to what it is that we're fishing for. And when weariness sets in, instead of loosening our grip, it just seems to get tired. Because we've convinced ourselves that if I could just get a little bit in that, I'll be happy. If, if I could just add a little bit more to life, then things would get better. If We've got ourselves convinced and Deceived that what's in the net is going to take away our weariness. But only Jesus can do that. And whatever that might mean in your life, whatever it is Jesus is speaking to you about, whatever it is that's causing you to be overwhelmed or tired or drained or weary today, maybe Jesus is saying one more time, put out in deep water. One more time. See what I have for you. Do it again. Today, if we give him our empty nets, turn our focus to who is in the boat with us, Jesus is still here, ready to change us. What's your miracle? 
What is it that you need to see? What is it you need him to do in your life? He's here, he's ready, and he's waiting. Question is, are we willing to be ordinary like Peter? Walk away from what we think we need to experience all that God has for us. Believe it or not, that's all I got for you today. Ooh, there's much rejoicing. So, sorry, I get it. But I don't know what makes you tired. I don't know why or what it is you're dealing with. But I just sense there's some that are struggling with some things. And I want to pray for you this morning. My wife and I, we get weariness. We, we understand many different areas that bring that about. I'm not complaining. That's just life, isn't it? We all go through those moments. But what we want you to know is, is we're here with you. Jesus is here with you. You don't have to do it alone. Whatever it is you're dealing with, God knows. When he asks you to do something that may not make sense, be willing to be obedient. To set out in the deep water, let down your nets again, and even to walk away from things you think you have to have. And then watch what Jesus does. Would you stand with me, please? Let me pray for you this morning. Pray for us. Father, I can sense the heavy shoulders here today. Tired spirits. Those, Lord, are just aren't sure what tomorrow has. We've gotten really good at going through the motions. Pretending. Of, of wondering what's next or how we're going to make it through the, tomorrow. But Lord, might we be transparent for just a few moments? Just between you and us. What is it we're carrying or holding on to that we might need to let go of, as we talked about last week? What is it you're asking us, God, to do that may not make sense, as you did for Peter this week? Put out in the deep water? Let, let down our nets? Lord, there's nothing there. God, might we be obedient even when we don't know what awaits us? What a lesson we learned from Peter in this moment. And then Peter got exactly what it was he thought he wanted. What it was he thought that he needed. He got a full net. He got a full boat, God. And then he realized, because he was in your presence, that that wasn't at all what he needed. Lord, today, might, might we be chasing after something that we think we need, and in this moment, might you reveal to us that that's not what I need. I need you. And Peter, in that moment, walked away from his boat, from his nets, and he followed after you. The Lord, none of us in this place today are too young to make the same choice. None of us are too old. We, none of us have been in our faith for too long that we might need not need to make we might need to make the same decision, Lord, even right now. Maybe we've never made it before, and this is the first time we've been faced with this idea of following after you, Lord. I pray if it is, we'd be willing to let go. The message for each of us today. God, I pray that you'd help us to be obedient even when it doesn't make sense. to learn from a man like Peter. Be willing to walk away from the things that are holding us down.
Choose the giver over the gift. Lord, I thank you for your presence and your, your, the simplicity of your word. Story we've heard before, but Lord, perhaps something new today. I pray for a refreshing moving of your spirit in this place. We breathe you in, God, might we be renewed. As you give us instructions of what we're to do, who we're to go to, what we're to do next, God, I pray will you give us boldness and courage to be obedient. Lord, be glorified, I pray, in our lives, just as you have been through Peter's life. Ordinary Peter. Lord, I thank you for your presence, for your moving, for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you today. If you came with empty nets today, you can leave full. Go share with someone who needs to hear what you've received. Bless you.